Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? It is so good to be here with you, and if this is your very first time at any one of our locations, someone has invited you, and you accepted that invitation uh, for the first time, we want to give it up for you. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? So glad you're here with us. It's our hope that you'll have a, a blast and a great time. And if you're not brand new, welcome back to all of our locations, microsites. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We are in the, we're actually wrapping up a series today called Get a Grip. And what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is that when someone says to you, get a grip, or when you say to someone, man, you need to get a grip on that, uh, what we're really saying is you need to practice some self-control, right? You need to get some self-control in the area of your finances, get a grip on your spending, right? You need to get a grip on your assets attitude, right? You need to get a grip on your anger. You need to get a grip on your hygiene, right? <laughs> like we, there's, there's areas that we need to start to practice some self-control. And the Bible has a lot to say about self-control. It actually says in the Bible that it's better to have self-control than to be able to conquer a city. It says in the Bible that if we don't have self-control, we're like a city without walls, defenseless against enemies that want to attack us from the outside, and from the inside. And the reason why we need to develop self-control is because, and we've been saying this each week, is that a lack of self-control makes us vulnerable to all kinds of problems. Think about the problems people have in their life because they lack control or lack self-control in the area of anger or lust or in the area of eating with their health and fitness, right? We become vulnerable to all kinds of problems. We can lose a marriage. We can lose our our, our health, we could lose a friendship, we could lose a business, we could lose our reputation, our influence for Christ, we could even lose our freedom. We can get locked up because we cannot control ourselves and we break the law and we do something illegal. It is so crucial that we develop the, this thing called self-control in our life. What is self-control? Self-control is the ability to do what you need to do when there's a part of you that doesn't wanna do it. Or it's the ability not to do what you wanna do uh, even because you know you shouldn't do it, something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just this, it's the ability to master yourself in a sense. And we need to be able to do that. So we looked at a couple of strategies of the last couple of weeks. Week, week number one, we looked at surrendering to the control of the spirit. Uh, week number two, we looked at having a purpose out in front of you and keeping a prize out in front of you because that creates and generates self-control. Last week, we, we said that habits are 10 times more powerful than willpower. So if we want to have self-control, we need to develop habits in the areas where we struggle. And so today, what I want to do is look at one more biblical strategy to help all of us develop self-control. If you've got your pen, if you're taking notes on the app, here it is for you. Biblical strategy number four, think beyond the moment. We have to learn to think beyond the moment if we want to develop self-control in our life. We live today in a culture of instant gratification. 
Have you recognized this? We are addicted to speed. I saw a stat the other day that said 40% of people will bounce off of a website if it doesn't load in less than three seconds. They're like, I'm too busy, not fast enough. Like we are so addicted to speed right now. Some of you are alive, (laughs) and you'll remember this several years ago, some of you were not alive when this happened, but when the internet actually became a thing, do you remember how long it took to connect to the internet? Listen, if you forgot, or if you weren't alive, you will remember this sound. what was that sound? I felt when I was a little kid and my dad would get on the computer and we'd all gather around and he would click that button. I felt like we were going through a wormhole or something like that. It was like, what is that? Some of you kids, some of you kids, you have no idea what, that's the sound of connecting to the internet. And even after that 15 seconds was over, you still kind of had to wait sometimes up to like 10 minutes to actually connect. It, it was bonkers, right? But now we're addicted to speed. We want it now. It's this quick thing. We're we, we are addicted to fast in our culture today. The other day I was, uh, I was uh, doing a workout and I dropped a, a pretty heavy weight right on my cell phone. Just smashed it right down. It's my fault. I put the phone in the wrong place. Dropped the weight right on there and it just did something horrible. It didn't die right away, but it was dying a slow death. My cell phone was. And so I, we called Verizon and you know, that was 10 o'clock in the morning. By six o'clock at night, there was a, a Verizon representative in my living room with a brand new phone, same day. Listen, these companies are destroying us. You order something online, Amazon, at nine o'clock in the morning, it's at your office at one o'clock. You can't do this to us. We, we're, they're feeding this hunger and this, this, this addiction to same day service and, and it's just fast, fast, fast. And because of that, because of that, today human beings are addicted to fast. We're in the moment, we're in the present. The present is, all, is the only thing that matters. I wrote, the, I wrote it like this in your notes. We act as if the present is all there is. It's all that matters. Getting that quick dopamine fix, you know, getting online and, and, and lusting and looking at something you shouldn't look at or, or, or going to the refrigerator and getting that, you know, that sugary snack or that ice cream. We, we are so addicted to fast. We want it now. We want it in the moment. Week number one, we talked about um, how dangerous this is. We looked at the story of East Jacob and Esau. They were brothers, twin brothers in the Old Testament, and um, their dad's name was Isaac, and, and Jacob was a, a domesticated man, so he liked to be in the inside and cooking and all that stuff, and Esau was a, a man of the wilderness. And one day, he came out from hunting, and, and Jacob was cooking some stew, and you guys remember the story. If, I, if you were here week number one, Esau comes in, and he's starving. And he says to his brother, hey, give me some of that stew. Well, Jacob's like, okay, well, sign me over your birthright. The birthright was a huge deal. It meant that you got the double portion when your father died and you became the patriarch of the family when your dad died. Huge deal. Listen to what Esau says in response to his brother Jacob. Look, I'm dying of starvation. My belly's eating my backbone. Like, this is, this is, this is a dire situation. What good is my birthright to me? Say it with me. 
now. What was his problem? He was living in the moment. All he could think about was his stomach. All he could think about was the present moment. So what did he do? He forfeited the future blessing of his birthright, the patriarch position of his, of his uh, family, and the double portion of his inheritance so he could have some carrots and some meat. And there's a little bit of Esau in all of us. We forfeit future blessings for momentary pleasure. This is what the prodigal son did in Luke chapter 15. I try to talk about that story as much as I can. It's probably one of the greatest parables Jesus ever taught. Do you remember the story? Two sons. One, the one son says to his dad, well, I'll just read it to you. Luke chapter 15. The younger son said to his father, I want my share of your estate. Say it with me. Now. I want it now. I don't want to wait for you to die. I know that I'm going to get half of the, 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 the inheritance and then I'll be able to have a, you know, some sort of wealth in my life. But I want it now. I want it before you die. And so his dad gives him the money and you know the story. He goes out and he spends it on all kinds of terrible things. It wrecks his life and ruins his life. What's our problem? We are addicted to now. And it causes all kinds of problems in our life. What if, what if, and here's the question I want to talk, answer today. What if we could learn how to step out of the moment? What if you could learn to step out of that moment of anger, step out of that moment of lust, step out of that moment of I just want it now and I just want to get it now, whether, whether it comes to whether that is an issue of purchasing something, eating something, getting back at someone. What if you could just step, detach yourself from the moment? How much pain would you save yourself? This is what King Solomon was trying to do for his sons in, in Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, the author is King Solomon. He's writing and, and he's talking about this, this situation where there's a young man uh, who is just taking a walk down the street and, and uh, all of a sudden a woman comes out to meet him. And she is hungry for some adultery. And so she... Uh, she starts to engage this young man, and Solomon's writing this to teach his sons a lesson, and he, so he's kind of writing from this, I'm, I'm watching this whole situation scenario take place. The woman comes out, and she starts to seduce this young man. He's probably in his late teens, early 20s, and she starts to lay it on him like, hey, you know, you look good, blah, 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 blah. My husband is away, and so I've got my, my, my house is empty. You can come back, and let's, we can have our, you know, pleasure, and, and, he, and he won't come home. And then it says this in verse 15, chapter 7. You're the one that I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. I was listening to my friend John, who's a camp director in Cleveland, Georgia. He, they call him Big John. And he was sharing this verse with about two, 200 high school students. And he said, listen up, high school students. And I love this. I'll never forget this. He said to them, you don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble is coming for you, mostly because of this thing right here. You don't have to go out and look for lust or porn or sex or shit, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to go, it's coming for you. It's coming right to your hand. So Solomon says to his sons, guys, pay attention, pay attention. She's coming for you. And by the way, ladies, he's coming for you. This young guy, naive, doesn't understand wisdom, doesn't know what to do. He follows her at once like an ox going to the, say it with me, the slaughter. 
He's trying to use as graphic of terminology as he possibly can to help his sons understand what's about to happen to this young kid. He thinks he's going to go have fun and have, have this wonderful, lustful night with this woman and nobody's going to find out. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He continues. He's like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. And he doesn't stop there. Verse 26 through 27, he continues. For she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. You think her bedroom is the den of pleasure. Oh, how mistaken you are, my friends, my sons. That's the place of death. What is he doing? Solomon is trying to help his sons get out of the moment of lust. There's this woman, there's this opportunity, we can hook up, and we live in the hookup culture today with Tinder and all this stuff, and it's just have sex with whoever you want to have sex with, and... He's like, hey, step out of that moment and just think about where this will take you if you do this. Think about the fact that you might get her pregnant. Think about the fact that she might have an STD. Think about the fact that her husband's going to come home and find out who you are. He might want to kill you. Think about the fact that this is going to ruin your reputation. Think about the guilt. Think about the shame. Think about all of the destruction you're going to cause, the disconnection from your relationship with God. Think beyond the moment. Henry Cloud wrote a book a couple years ago called Nine Things You Simply Must Do, which is a very interesting title to a book. <laughs> Nine Things You Simply Must Do. Must do. One of them is called Play the Movie. And when Henry Cloud says play the movie, he was really talking about thinking beyond the moment. The title of this message today is very creative, Play the Movie. <laughs> In his chapter on this principle, he begins with a little parable. I'd like, I'd like to read it to you. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think it'll be worth it. He says this. <clears throat> the old man sat down on his favorite bench, settling in with his newspaper for, a lunchtime, as a, for his lunchtime ritual. He was a man of routine and could be found here most any day, enjoying the trees, the children playing, and the sounds of the bustling city around the park. One day, a young man sat down next to him with a paper of his own. The old man moved over a bit to make room for him and then went back to reading. After a few minutes, however, the new bench partner said, Excuse me, sir. Yes, the old man answered, looking up with a friendly smile. Would you happen to have the time, the younger asked. The old man looked the young man over for a moment, taking in the fact that he was pleasant looking. No, he said, and then he went back to reading his paper. Puzzled, the young man could not imagine why the older man would not give him the time, having noticed that he was wearing a watch. So he asked, um, excuse me, sir. Yes, the older one answered. I don't mean to be a pest here, but I'm curious about something, the younger said. I can't help but notice that you're wearing a watch. Yet when I asked if you had the time, you said no. Have I offended you in some way? The old man just looked at him, not saying anything for a moment, but eyeing him up and down. Finally, he said, no, not at all. You seem to be a nice enough young man. Then he went back to reading his paper. This seemed even more strange to the young man, so he persisted. Then I don't understand. Why don't you give me the time? The older one put down his paper. Well, when you first sat down, I noticed you, you seemed like a nice enough young man, clean cut and all. You seemed interested in the world and its current events, and I noticed that by the particular paper that you were reading, that was impressive. Then you asked me for the time. And I figured if I gave you the time, we might strike up a conversation. 
And if we started a conversation, you'd probably tell me about yourself, and I would probably like you, and we would probably become friends. And if we became friends, and I would see you here again, and we would get to know each other even more, then I would probably invite you over to my house sometime to meet my family. Now, if that happened, you'd meet my wonderful daughter, whom I love very much. With you being such a nice young man, she would probably like you, and as beautiful as she is, and as wonderful as she is, you'd probably like her. So the two of you would probably become friends and then go out on a date. And if that happened, chances are you'd fall in love and get married. And I'll be hanged if I'm going to allow my daughter to marry a man who doesn't own a watch. (laughs) It's a cute story, but man, is it so true. Not that story. But it's so true that events and scenes are connected In his book, he defines playing the movie like this. Cloud says, playing the movie means never to see any individual action as a singular thing in and of itself. The things that we do are connected. The choices that we make build upon each other. Each scene leads to another scene, which leads to another scene. Each friendship leads to another friendship. Which Each choice to drink something leads to another choice to drink something. Leads to It's all connected. And so Cloud says when you play the movie, you're essentially understanding that, this, this, that your life is like a movie and, and all the scenes are headed to a certain destination. And all he's trying to get you and I to do is to step out of, the, you know, out of the moment for a second and ask ourselves, do we like the destination? If this is good, if this behavior is going to lead to an addiction, do we want that? If this type of sexual behavior is going to lead to destructive relationships and maybe some sickness to my body, do we want that? Right? If this type of spending and purchasing is going to lead to more debt and more financial stress, do we want that? Like He's trying to get us out of the moment of pleasure, the dopamine that we're so addicted to in the now, and ask ourselves, you know, do you want to go there? Do you want your movie to go in that direction? He basically says that play, people who are play the movie or people who are able to think beyond the moment ask this question about all their decisions and choices. Where's this taking me? Where's this taking me? This isn't an isolated event. This is going, I'm going somewhere. When, when I engage in this behavior, when I watch these types of videos, when I scroll endlessly on my phone and watch all the, all, like this is going, like it's creating something. It's taking me somewhere. There's a destination I'm going. And do I like where it's taking me? And so playing the movie or thinking me on the moment type of people, they basically say before they make a purchase, they say, okay, I'm about to make this $300 purchase. Is this going to, what is this going to do to my budget? How am I going to, am I going to be able to afford my bills next month and the month after that? If I spend this $300 now, is it going to, you know, uh, if I would have put it in the stock market in 10 years, what would it have been? You know, like they think past the moment of I want this thing, I want this thing, I want this thing. When it comes to sexuality, people who play the movie, they, they ask themselves, like, right now, if I decide to be physically intimate with this person, which our culture teaches us you need to do before marriage, you got to drive the car before, you know, you, know you, you buy it. If I do that, what am I doing? What, am I, what kind of message am I sending to, my, to this person, and, and where's this going to take me, and, and this is going to become the regular habit of my life, and, and, and do I want to hook up with every single person I'm with, and where does that take me, and... They don't just sleep with people because the moment seems fun. They think beyond the moment. They play it out. Do I want the guilt on my conscience? Do I want the shame? 
Do I want a broken relationship? Do I want to mess up my relationship with God? Right? People who think beyond the moment or play the movie in regards to food, they don't, they don't just look at food and say, oh, this, is, this, is, this looks good. I want to eat this right now. They, they think past that. If I eat this, where's this taking me? What's my next meal going to be? You know the question most people ask themselves when it's time to eat, which is regular. Like we eat. I, I eat like six times a day. Anybody else? I like to eat. The question that most of us ask is, what am I in the mood for? That's a terrible question, right? Because what, 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 what does that question really you know, reveal? It reveals that the only purpose of food in your life is to make you feel good. But that's not why God gave us food. God gave us food for energy so that we can do all the things that he's planned for us to do. Now, he makes some foods taste pretty good. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, like, where, if I eat this, where is it taking me? What's my next meal look like? And my next meal, you know, the average person gains about five pounds a year, five to ten pounds a year. It's just, in, in, in Indiana, I know we've got lots of people watching in different countries, but Indiana, we're like, we're up there, like, we're one of the most obese states. We just, we just, what do I feel like eating? And then we go, with it. we go with it. Play the movie. Most people, did you know most people are dying? They're dying from heart disease directly related to diet. You know most people, are, 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 there's many people are dying from diabetes related illnesses that are directly connected to the food we put in our mouth. Like, is that the way you want your movie to end? Like families gather around, dad's dying of diabetes because he couldn't stop with the Twinkies. Right? Is that the story? Like, just play it out. Just think past the moment. Where, where is this taking me? This principle has helped Jackie and I so much in the area of parenting. I mean, it probably, the, the, hands down, and finances too. But, but, but this principle, uh, what, when, we were, when our kids were young especially, it was like, okay, kids, and, and, and especially little kids, are you know, somewhat demon-possessed from time to time. <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm joking, I'm joking somewhat, but they're just, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard, it's difficult, and so we would watch a lot of behaviors that were like, man, if we don't nip that in the bud now at two years old or three years old, can you imagine when they're 16? I mean, let's play this out. Now, at that time, I happened to be a youth pastor, so I was currently working with 16 and 17-year-olds. Some of them were awesome, some of them were monsters. And I'd ask myself, how did they become monsters? And it was because some of the behaviors that they demonstrated when they were two, three, four, five years old, six years old, seven, were never dealt with in the home. And so my wife and I made some very, very key decisions when our kids were like one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old. We were going to bring the hammer down. We spanked our children a lot. We did it biblically, we did it right, we did not do it out of anger. But we wanted to fix those behaviors in the beginning because we knew that one day these little guys are gonna be 17. And if we don't deal with this now, we're gonna die <laughs> in the future. And right now our kids are 18, uh, 17, 18, and 20. We're not out of the woods by any means, but they're pretty decent kids. 
We were trying to play the movie, like, we don't do this stuff now. What's going to happen 10 years from now? And then we made the decisions in light of how we want the movie to end. Is it making sense, yes or no? Yes or no? Think beyond the moment. There's so many parents today, they think it's cute that their little, little Tommy is just a, a rebellious little you-know-what, you and then they take a video of it and post it on YouTube. Isn't he so cute? It's like, no, he's the devil. <laughs> you better fix that. You better get a grip on your parenting. I'm just joking. You guys know that, right? I don't, I don't think the kids are demon-possessed. Some of them are, but... Um, <laughs> Here's what thinking beyond the moment does. Thinking beyond the moment brings you to your senses. It really does. It helps you to come to grips with reality. If I spend this way in my 20s, my finances are gonna be cursing me in my 30s. If I eat this way, eat this diet of pizza and burgers and, 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 and whatever I wanna do in my 20s and 30s, and it, you know, the back end of this is gonna be really tough. Ugh, it brings you to your senses. If I treat my spouse this way, if I continue to be passive aggressive and selfish and, and hold grudges and, and okay, if I do all that stuff now, like in, in five years, this deal is gonna end in divorce. It's just played out. It's like not, it's not, you step out of the moment, press pause and play the next scene and next scene and the next scene. Where is this taking me? And if you don't like that movie, here's the beautiful thing. You can, you can say cut, cut. I don't like where this is headed. I don't like this scene. We're gonna change this scene. We're gonna step out of this scene. We're gonna remove this scene. I'm gonna get out of this relationship. I'm gonna quit this behavior. And that's where self-control starts to become very, very powerful. I'm gonna quit the alcohol. I don't know. See, this alcohol thing that I'm doing, I'm messing with, I think I can control. It looks like it's headed this way and this way and this way. And I don't like that, so I'm, 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 I'm done with alcohol. See, that's what, that's what wise people do. They play the movie, and suddenly they gain this, this incredible power called self-control because they've played out the scenes of their life. I remember I met a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, not didn't meet him, but we were talking one day, and uh, he had smoked two packs a day for years and years and years, uh, and, uh, and then he suddenly quit. And when I hear that stuff, I'm super intrigued. I'm like, okay, dude, how did you do that? People cannot give up cigarettes very easily. And, and, and I, so I questioned him on it, and he said to me, well, it, it occurred to me that if I kept smoking two packs a day, I wasn't going to see my grandkids grow up. Boom. What did he do? He played the movie, and he suddenly got this massive surge of self-control in his life. Making sense? Now, this is something you and I are gonna to have to do for the rest of our lives. It's not something that we can do early on and then just stop. We gotta continually, all through our life, all the way to the end, think beyond the moment. Because it's not guaranteed that we'll finish well just because we did it early on. Just because you start well doesn't mean you end well. In fact, King Solomon, who told his son what to do, his son's like, hey, here's how you handle sexual sin. Just play the movie. It's gonna pierce your heart. It's gonna cost you your life. It'll cost you your marriage. Her bedroom is the den of death. That same guy who wrote those words totally screwed up his life. In 1 Kings chapter 11, we read the story. The Lord clearly instructed the people of Israel in regards to the kings of Israel. They left that part out. That was the, that's assumed. You must not marry them. Who? Foreign wives. 
because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Not only is it sexual immorality, but it'll, it'll lead you away from worship of the true God. And watch this. Yet, Solomon insisted on loving them. He went on and did it anyway. And he didn't just do it in a small way. He did it in a big way. He had 700 wives of royal birth. They weren't even enough. So he had 300 concubines on top of that. I read those words and I'm shocked because I could barely keep one wife happy, <laughs> let alone 700. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. And look at the next verse. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, watch this, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Oh. His movie didn't end well, guys. Solomon is supposed to be the wisest man, one of the wisest people to ever live. He, it didn't, his story doesn't end well. It's, it's so sad. He was, supposed to t he, he was in charge of 12 tribes of Israel. He was supposed to hand those off to his son. And he was supposed to lead the 12 tribes. And then, nope, 10 of those tribes got stolen away, given to a guy named Jeroboam, not in the family line of David. He messed up. In fact, he got, it got so weird that he started building temples to the false gods of his wives and started to worship at those temples. It's like, what? This is a guy that God spoke audibly to. What happened? He stopped playing the movie. He stopped thinking beyond the moment. See, I'm convinced of this in your notes. How your movie ends depends on your ability to think beyond the moment. How your movie ends depends on your ability to step outside of the moment. Your movie's gonna end. Your life is gonna end. There's a 100% chance. You realize that. I wear a ring on my finger, on my pinky finger. It's a Greek phrase, uh, memento mori. There's a skull on there. <laughs> it's kind of dark. The phrase means, you could die today. I wear it, I see it, and what it does is it helps me to come to grips with the shortness of life. Right? The Bible teaches that your life is short, it's brief, it's a, it's, a, it's a breath, it's like the grass of the field. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Life is not guaranteed. So our movie is gonna end. The question is, how will it end? What story is going on in your life? And do you like the way it's going? And how will it end? If you don't like the way it's going, if you don't like the scenes, if you don't like the behaviors that you're demonstrating, you can call a timeout, you can call a cut and say, wait a second, let me step back. Question I want you to ponder this week. How do you want your movie to end? You know, I think through my own life and how I want it to end and there's a good chance my body could end up right here, right in this spot right here, because I got married right here 23 years ago, and if I continue to pastor Emmanuel Church and, you know, for some time and die, my body could be laid out right here, and a group of people like you could be sitting in the seats here, and some folks will probably come up on stage and, and say a few words, maybe my kids, maybe my wife, maybe some of you. 
and I think through often, I know this sounds dark, but I, it's not, it's actually really healthy. I think through like, okay, what are the, what, what's gonna be said? What will, they say? what will people say? Will, it, will they say, man, dad finished strong and, and loved mom and loved people and loved Jesus and was a person of integrity, told the truth, and he wasn't perfect, but man, he really made, made people feel good and encouraged them and blah, 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 a bunch of good stuff. Or will they say, you know, like King Solomon, he did well for a while, and then he messed up because he couldn't control himself. And so the kingdom got torn away and Esau lost his birthright. Moses didn't go into the promised land. And David lost two of his sons. What, what, will, the, what, will, how will, the, what will what will people say about my life, about your life? Because you're gonna end up on a stage like this some way, sometime. Your body will be. Your spirit won't be here, but your body will be. And someone's gonna tell a story about you and you and you and about you. They're gonna tell a story like, you get a chance to shape that story with the choices that you make and how you live your life. Making sense, yes or no? How your movie ends depends on your ability to think beyond the moment. And when we do that, we get a lot of clarity. The Bible says the prudent foresee evil and they go around. They can see what's coming. Where is this headed? And they make adjustments. But foolish people keep on going and plow right into pain. As we wrap up today, and you ponder that question, we've talked about how now is a problem and, and how we're addicted to speed and we want to live in the moment and we want that dopamine hit and whatever that, however we get it. But now is not always a bad thing, especially in the Bible. The present is not always a bad thing when you read the scriptures. In fact, the Apostle Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 one time, and look what he says about now. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, but right now is the time where you can receive God's favor, where you can be saved or receive God's salvation. And Paul was constantly urging people, right now, I want you to open up your heart to Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth about reality. God created you to be in a relationship with him, but we blew that in the Garden of Eden. We sinned, our first ancestor sinned, broke that relationship. So that's why the world is the way it is. Sin came into the world and all the consequences of sin. But God is in the process of restoring all that and he sent Jesus Christ into this world to start with you. Jesus died on a, on a cross to remove sin, to remove the penalty of sin, to conquer it. He died, three days later he came back to life so that you could be in fellowship with God and begin the restoration process. And Paul says, right now I want you to take advantage of that. In this moment, do not put it off. Reach out to Jesus, ask him to forgive your sins and be your savior. And when I was 17, 18 years old, I heard that message. I heard that God's favor was available to me and that today was the day of salvation. And I knew that I was a sinner. I reached out in faith and I asked Christ to be my savior. How about you? Maybe you're watching today at home, somewhere else, one of our sites, one of our locations, one of our microsites, maybe here at Greenwood presently. And you know right now is your moment. 
you've put it off, you put it off, and you need Jesus in your life. I'm gonna say a simple prayer, it's a prayer of faith. You can reach out to him right now and ask him to be your savior. Will you pray with me if you feel led to? Just say this to him, dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you paid the penalty for all my wrongdoing. And I ask you right now to forgive me, to cleanse me, to wash away all my sin. I trust in you. I place my faith in you, my confidence. I ask you to be my savior. Make me your child by faith. And from this day forward, teach me to love you, to obey you, to cherish you, to follow you, to honor you with my words, my deeds, my actions, my entire life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, church, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. Amen. Amen. Across all of our campuses. When I made that decision to place my faith in Christ, I was so blessed enough to have someone put a Bible in my hands. And so that's why we do that here at Emmanuel. If you trusted Christ, we, uh, we not only have a Bible for you, but we also have some other information about how to get, get connected to a small group, how to be baptized. Uh, we also have a coffee cup in here as a gift to say congratulations. And there is a Bible inside here with a reading plan to get you started. So if you trust in Christ today, you, pray, you can text the word SAVED to 65248. That's our number. And if you can grab one of these at your location in the lobby, or if you're watching online, give us a little bit more information and we'll send one into you in the mail. Can we give God glory one more time, church? Amen. In this series, we talked about surrendering to the Spirit. We talked about putting the prize out in front of you, having purpose that generates and sustains self-control. We talked about how habits are way more powerful than willpower, that was last week. And today we talked about stepping out of the moment and playing the movie. I promise you, if you take some of this stuff and start applying it to your life, you're gonna grow in your power to have self-control over your life. And you're gonna begin to live the life that God has planned for you. So I hope you'll take that and apply it. Has this been a blessing to you guys? Amen. Amen. I'm gonna pray real quick and then we're gonna dismiss to the local teams. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction, the encouragement. God, thank you for the examples that you've given us of people that were successful and then also the folks that, that were unsuccessful. Help us to learn from them and not repeat the same mistakes that they made so that we can finish well, so that our movie ends well for your honor and for your glory. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Right, I'm gonna hand things off to the local teams. I love you guys. See you next week. Bring a friend.